So, so have you been, Nick? Yeah, yeah, have you been busy? Very busy, yeah. I think it's the, the busiest I've ever been. It's the busiest everyone's ever been, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's been brilliant. I've talked to a single person that has been quiet. Yeah. And how, how many have you done on your own then? Um, probably 19. I've not sat and counted, but I think I've done 19 already. I've got two customers tomorrow morning, both are pre approved for finance on two different cars, so potentially I can do 21. If I do 21, it'll be a monster month. And they're all expensive cars. It would be the sixth on finance if, um, if both of them go on finance tomorrow. Oh, that's brilliant. Brilliant. So six cars on finance, all with, with, with good commissions then? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think about five grunting commissions on that, maybe, maybe slightly more. Oh, I've, not even looked, I've not even had time to sit down and look at the figures for the month because I've been so busy just buying, preparing, selling. Yeah. I've got, yeah. Um, my shoulders are aching from, I think from the posture I get when I photograph with the digital camera. Yeah. It's, imagine how many pictures I've done in the last <laughs> few days. And now I've got hundreds of pictures to process, to, to put into adverts. It's just insane. But at the same time, the momentum is there and I don't want to, for a second, I don't want to lose it. Yeah, that, so, that, uh, that's what Rory said the other day and it was so true, like, um, once you're getting this momentum, it's really good and you just want to keep riding that wave as long as possible. Yeah, what I've been doing is, um, as soon as I sell a car, I would jump onto the BCA Buy Now section and I would try to buy very similar. And if it's available, I'll buy it now. I can even do that at 9 o'clock in the evening, which is yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. And and so is that how you've been buying all your stock then? Mainly on I've been on buying now. a few in um, in online auctions. I've been buying a few privately or from friends or from customers that I've sold cars to in the past. But majority have been BCA buy it now. Right, right. Oh, it's just it? so easy when it's there. When it, when there is a set price, all the information is in front of you. So I literally need about half an hour to research the hell out of it. Yeah. And after that, I'm 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 confident. And their condition descriptions, they've either improved a little bit or I've been a little bit luckier than usual because yeah. all the ones I've bought lately, they were either bang on, well described or slightly better than described. In fact, I bought one from Blackbush today. It was a great for um, SLK Mercedes, but being a convertible, I paid cup clean for that car, even grade four, because I, I just needed the stock basically. And I went to pick it up today and you know what? It, it's ready to retail basically. Yeah. Where they've said poor paint the car i'm assuming the car has been dirty so a couple of panels they've said it, they had poor paint but it's just dirt which washed off and then underneath it's yeah. actually original original paint it's not yeah. poor previous repair yeah it's in very nice condition yeah we we done the same the other month uh this bmw and it said grade four and we were buying it for uh like a, a customer, and I thought, you know what, it's going to get here, it's going to be horrible, it's going to be full of dinks and dents, and it just had one dent on it, and that was it. And we were like, how can the grade, this is a grade four. So I just think it depends who you get doing the, the appraisals. It's true, but I think they've now been maybe told to be a little bit more conservative with their appraisals and um, maybe describe cars a little bit worse because the customer service people couldn't possibly cope with the volume of complaints i'm sure of that yeah. because i've got a complaint on every maybe fourth or fifth car that i buy be it they said it's two keys and only one key arrived or they said it's three owners yeah. and it was four owners but every three or four cars i buy i make some sort of a complaint 
and they always offer me to, to send them the car back. And I tell them, no, we, we're too far gone in the, down the prep or we've paid for delivery already. Just give us some money. So 200 pounds there, 300 pounds there, they add up at the end. So it always it always uh, works out well if you if you do complain then instead of taking it on well, the well, chair. It, it takes time and energy, but at yeah. the end, if it's a sellable car, if I know I can sell it, and if the reason for the complaint isn't major, which I don't think I've had any major reasons, but we've had one um, Mercedes. They said full service. Well, four services, four stumps. I went to collect it, and there was no service record present whatsoever, like none. Right. And um, they paid three hundred quid for this. And for me, I had to just swing by the local Mercedes dealership and they printed it off for me. So realistically, it didn't even slow me down. But there was an element of risk that, yes, I'll take it. But yeah. if I go to the dealership and if they say there is no history, then I have a bigger problem on my hands. Yeah. So it's yeah. been working okay for me. It's been working out fine. I've been taking some risks, but they've been paying. So Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And... Um... How well, was your mum's? Talk to me in double figures, big numbers, presumably. <laughs> it was, well, uh, today we've done our 31st one of the month. So Excellent. And two it. more days left, I think. Yeah, I've got one going out tomorrow, so that'll be 32. Okay, 32. So, possibly 33. But, you know, they weren't all retail deals. Um, but, it, it, like I say, just, it's really good feeling this momentum um catching this sort of wave and it'd be my best ever month for finance commissions so they've all had all them little things that add up just definitely yeah definitely yeah i know it's gonna be really good off the bottom line at the end of the year and um it's been it's been a year since i've been doing this pod like since me and you sat together and done that first podcast the interview was in, the, in the first lockdown i remember this yeah the, the lockdown yeah it just ended and i think i'd sold one car during lockdown and i was feeling upbeat <laughs> and there we are now a year later selling 30 times as much yeah it's madness isn't it so i mean in in that year what has changed massively in in your business then I, but i tell you what's changed big with, with me um I've 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 come out my comfort zone, if that makes sense. I've went for more um, prestige cars, like what you sell. To be honest, Nick, and it's been it's and been what, the best what, thing I've ever do you, done. What do you think? Is it is it better money, worse money, better customers, worse customers, easier deals, maybe harder deals? What what do you reckon? I think it's I th the, the way I look at it now. I think I get three bites of the cherry. Where when I was selling when i was more focused on just selling just selling like bread and butter stuff i was just getting the deals done where now and i was hoping for a good part x where now i'm getting the deals done with a good margin and even if i've got a reduce we've still got an half decent margin instead of yeah. nothing yeah. Uh, we're getting good part exchanges and more finance deals so it's like you're getting three bites of the cherry where before it was like profit on a car or nothing, just reduce it and get rid. That's it, yeah, profit or loss, yeah. Yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah. So um and and by doing this as well, I think we've and we've we've just went for it. And we've went from uh, twenty-five cars, thirty cars on the pitch. Today we've got sixty on there. So, so you doubled, basically you doubled. Same here, I maybe started lockdown. I know I, we had uh, 13, I think, and now we've got 27. But our problem is that we still only have, oh, we 
um, I've got, I had two storage compounds plus the space that we've got outside the house, outside my office. The space outside the house can hold 10 vehicles maybe at the push. Yeah. The other space has 12 spaces now, which we use all the time, but we lost a little compound which could hold eight cars. We usually kept about five or six. And I used to keep the cheaper part exchanges there sort of out of sight, but they were still cars that I would sell and make money on. And they sold that place. So um, I, I lost about maybe five, five parking places. But even then, we got 27 cars. And we started the year with 13. So we doubled, we doubled the stock. And how, and, um, how have you found yeah. that then? Have you found it? Have you, have you kept the momentum going better? Definitely, yeah, definitely, absolutely. I don't know whether it's because I've got more stock or because the... I think in general, in this last year, the supply is so low, there is so much demand compared to supply on the market, and it's playing on our minds a little bit. We think that we found some magic formula, but in reality, we're just in a seller's market right now, and that will yeah. last another year, maybe another two years, and then in a couple of years' time, things will probably return to normal, where you'd buy a car and the first call will come a month later, Yeah, which is normally the norm for me on a 12, 13,000 pound car. I don't expect to advertise it today and sell it tomorrow, but that's exactly what I've been doing. I, yeah. I yeah. have, um, I told you before, I think, I have a very cheap Maserati that I bought. Uh, I did a very good deal, bought a Maserati that needed some work. We did the work and the car retails at 16,000. We advertise it at 16,000 and I've got 13,000 advert uh, search appearances, sorry, so 13,000 search appearances. <laughs> I'm yeah. averaging 150 advert views a day and five or six emails a day and a couple of phone calls a day for a 15-year-old Maserati, uh, 16,000 pounds. Oh and my it's, God. In, it's in, I thought we'd have the car for months without a single person ringing up, but because we bought it so cheaply, yeah. it would have been silly not to. And right now I'm thinking if I put it up at 19,000, I'd probably still get 100 views a day. Yeah. I'd probably still get a couple of calls and I'd probably still sell it at the end for that. But um, <laughs> yeah. I've got somebody very keen on it now and he's asking all the right questions. And, and so what, what, how, much, how much did you pay for that then? If you don't mind me asking. Pounds. Oh, and how, how did you manage to buy something like that for four grand? It's, um, it's a long story, but one of the garages I work with, it was a customer car, and the customer isn't actually based in the UK. They, they live in a different country, and this is their London car, so to speak, and it failed its MOT. It had a problem with rainwater going in the boot, accumulating, and it fried the electronic parking brake module, right. which happens to be a Ferrari part. It's the same as on a Ferrari 458, 488, and it's very expensive. It's maybe about £3,000 to buy new, and... And that person, I think, just wanted out of that car at whatever cost. So I made a very low offer knowing that they won't accept it. But they did accept it. So I had to. And when I make an offer, I'm known for, if I say that I'll buy, I'll buy. So yeah. I bought it completely blind. I went and looked at it. And you know what? It wasn't a bad car. And I'll send you, when we finish this call, I'll send you a link to the advert. If you see the link, you'll probably call me straight back and say, Nick, you're crazy to sell this anything under 20 grand because it looks a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a nice car, but it's a 4.2 litre V8, and it's not exactly bread and butter, and it's not exactly thousands of people out there with the money to come and buy it. So yeah. I'll be realistic. And, um, but that'll be a, it'll be a good deal for me, put it this way. So having that many views on that car and, and, and that many search appearances, does your phone go off 
every day, like four times a day for, every, for that car? Every single day I get at least one call. I get more emails, but prestige car like this, it gets a lot of searches from, I guess, teenagers, people that will, they're not buyers, but they know to search, they know to look. So yeah. realistically, I know that those figures are a bit skewed by the brand. If it's a Ferrari, maybe they'll get four times as many views. Yeah. I mean, God knows how many Ferrari adverts I've looked at, and I'll never, I yeah. don't know if I'll ever go and buy a Ferrari, yeah. to be honest. But I've looked, so I don't make too much of the views. But every now and then, I get a call, and I'm saying every now and then, but it's several times in the week. And they're all sort of middle-aged guys. Yeah. And, and the questions they ask, you can tell that it's not the first prestige car they're considering buying or owning. or They yeah. seem experienced buyers, certainly more experienced in Maserati than me because some of the questions they know to ask, I didn't know that I had to know the answer. You, yeah. With these things, when you advertise it, when you offer it, then you find out what you really need to tell them about it. Yeah. It's a process, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a learning curve, isn't it, when you Definitely. get... Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. yeah. And, and so, during this year then, how, how have your customers changed over this last year um, then? At one point, there was virtually no demand for finance. I think a lot of people got grant money and they needed to... I guess, buy something with them. And right now, when the grant money is over, the hunger is still there for cars. So all the demand now is for finance, which is very, it's very strange. But the customer base is, people are the same, I think. Um, I've, not, I've not seen a huge shift in the type of customer. Just the numbers have increased. Yeah. Because our stock profile hasn't changed that dramatically. The cars are maybe slightly newer, slightly lower mileage slightly higher spec but they were very similar to what we had before it's just more of them so um what about see for me i think uh we've sold so many cars to people from all over the country compared to what we normally sell to locally would you say that's changed for you no because we we always had a strategy of nationwide sales and that's to get those unique cars that stand out be it a prestige car or a very, I've told you that before, it's how far your customers travel, it depends on the stock. Yeah. If you only have a car park full of um, Focuses and Astras and Fiestas, you're not going to get people from 200 miles away because yeah. it's not the sort of car that you travel 200 miles. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, we found since as well we start painting all the wheels black, the grills black, all that sort of stuff, it's just, it's just, Cars have went to Scotland, they went one went yesterday to Essex. You know, I suppose that's that's the sort of demographic, isn't it? That like them type of cars, you know, with the all the pimped up alloys and stuff like that. The thing is we we painted the BMW five series alloys in a set of BMW five series alloys in black. And I looked, I did a search, it was a 535D. Um we bought it from Glasgow, it was under book, it was actually a very good deal for me. And when I did a search, it was the only 535D with black alloys available anywhere. Everything else was standard. And we as dealers, we don't necessarily know what customers look for. We, we think we go to places that do alloys and say, yes, do them back to factory. Yeah. And everyone is doing the same thing. And then when you're on the market, if you want one with black alloys, my one was the only one available. Then there is one more now. I've got a viewing on tomorrow. The customer is um, a finance customer, and he sent me pictures of his part exchange today. Guess what? His part exchange is black windows, black alloys, black everything. So that's <laughs> yeah. what the guy likes. That's what he wants, and that's what you'll get. Yeah. And normally, I it, it's not a color combination, which is my favorite. 
favorite, I'll be honest with you. But yeah. what we like doesn't matter. No. What matters is what uh, what buyers like. Yeah. And you don't even need all the buyers to like it. You need one buyer to like it, and you need that one buyer to not be able to find it anywhere else. So you paint them black, and it opens up a market that you never had before, and gives you an yeah. opportunity. And people jump on trains, and they drive, um, drive or take a train for two hundred miles to come and get that one car, yeah. where they could have, strictly speaking, they could have bought it anywhere with the silver alloys or whatever color they were, and so paid somebody one hundred and eighty quid to go and paint them. But they <laughs> yeah. don't, they don't know what we know. They don't have the vision, or I, I don't yeah. know what they don't have. But I don't care. I, I, I know what they want now. We change the Mercedes front grille just the plastic grill on the front and i've sold so many mercedes with that grill it looks yeah. okay it's not ugly or anything the views on the car went from 20 a day to 400 a day which is some sort of a record for a used car 400 views a day it was just unbelievable yeah. i couldn't believe the difference it made yeah. the grill costs 88 pounds the um, guy that changes them charges us 30 pounds for the work and it's a bumper off job it's not a body shop it's just a guy that does window tinting and that sort of jobs right and the margin on the car, it was easily three and a half thousand pounds. It was maybe a thousand pound more expensive than the average market price for the model because we spent eight, seven quid on a plastic grill. That's amazing. That is absolutely. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. But people just want what isn't widely available. So if yours is the only one with that grill out of maybe 40 cars were available nationwide on the day. Yeah. Um, the lady came, it was a lady actually that bought it in her 50s. She traveled two and a half hours from Peterborough, I think she came from. She gave us in Partex a very nice Audi Q7 and the balance she put on finance. And it was a dream deal for me. It was it was such a good deal yeah. on every level. She was very pleasant to work with. Yeah, um, yeah no downsides. Well, well, you're adding value to the cars, aren't you? That's what you, you, you're doing. You're putting value into the cars. And that's what... But when I... Am I doing the wrong thing then, going to the body shop and getting the body shop to paint the grill? Do you think it's better to get them plastic? Well, no, I mean, I can't answer that. Your, the, the views on your auto trader will answer whether just painting the grill is enough or whether you just need to get a 80-pound plastic grill called Pan America or Pan Americana. Yeah. I'm not sure which is the correct one. But it basically looks like the newer Mercedes GTR with vertical sluts. Yeah. The same slots that Audi has, have had for many, many years. But on a Merc, I'll, um, what I'll do, and we end up the call, if I remember, I'll text you. I'll, we've got one. We've just done it, actually. I'll, I'll walk down and I'll send you a picture straight to your WhatsApp so you can see what I'm talking about. And whether you like the look of it or not, it doesn't matter. But what mattered to me was the, the viewing figures, yeah. just the increase. Yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. The car yeah. sold for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And um, as I said, sold about a thousand pounds over the average market price. It still had a good marker, but um, I probably took a thousand more than I could have taken. Yeah. So to me, that eighty-seven pound investment in grills is oh. basically it's a complete no-brainer. Yeah. Well, you've seen that blue one that that we had, and yeah. I, I haven't. So silver alloy, silver grill, and it was getting two views a day. It was in the red. Yeah. And then yeah. painted the wheels, painted the grill, and well, I put it up last week, so you're seeing it. The views are just they went up to forty views a day, and then today we took a deposit and a finance deal, and that's within the week. And that car's yeah. been advertised for nearly six weeks with the silver alloys, so it hundred percent works. 
Absolutely, yeah, I, I agree. I've been changing wheel colors for years, but I haven't been doing it that aggressively to that bigger part of the stock. On some cars, you simply can't do it. Like on my Maserati, I could never do the wheels in no. on Dakar. We did them completely original, and the response was still high. But um, honestly, on some, you just need to you need to make it stand out a little bit, and then it opens up your market. Yeah, you get customers traveling from so further afield. Yeah, you can't even believe that some you would hop on a train just because you thought to bait a set of wheels in black but it, it does work David I mean yeah. it must have always worked but we weren't always doing it so um, well, what, what about these bumpers then with the oh god I forget what you call them when you've got the bumper and M, we call it M Performance Body Styling Package yeah how much are they then are they really expensive they're less than 300 quid for the whole set and it takes two hours to put them on the car and the views go from 20 to 200 Flipping heck. And and would you fit that yourself then, Nick, or would you get your... No, no, it, no, we've got that same guy I mentioned to you. So I found a local to us company quite close to me by my standard. It's 10 minutes of driving, which for my logistics is nothing. Um, they do window tinting. They do trim the chroming. And on some cars, the chroming is really crucial. Like on some BMWs, the SE or they've got a model called Luxury and they've got a lot of chrome around the windows. As soon as you de-chrome it, the age of your customer drops from 60 down to 25 yeah. just because you dechrome the trims around the window. It's just unbelievable the difference it makes to the look of the car yeah. and to the, the, the inquiries that we get. And in this pandemic, I've, I've got the feeling that the older customers, the more conservative customers, they've become even more conservative, yeah. even more cautious. They're staying put. They're not transacting. And if the younger guys... The younger buyers, and when I say young, I'm 43 now, so I'm talking people half my age now, yeah. are actively on the market, borrowing, wanting to do the Instagram thing. To You can't be on Instagram, David, and have chrome trim around the windows. Put it this way. It just doesn't. They're not compatible. Uh, they're not compatible. So the younger people, they want the, the, the black uh, accents and the big chrome. Yeah. Look at what Tesla did. The yeah. average Tesla, they're very standard spec cars. They had chrome everywhere, and now the new model from this year, they have no chrome at all. They're completely de chrome. Yeah. So if yeah. they're doing it, everybody else will follow suit very shortly. It's so true, because when I'm driving past cars now, and I'm looking at like these new BMWs, and if they've got the silver chrome, I think, oh God, that looks a bit dated, that now. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, it just doesn't look as good, does it? And then when you see one all with the black, oh, the black everywhere. It just looks, it looks, well, it's, it's, it's on trend, isn't it? That's what it is. Definitely, yeah, definitely. So, but yeah, so during this last year then, have you, have you had any bad buys then? Has there been any bad buys or has everything been a good buy for you? So, well, there is always bad buys, but sometimes there is good outcomes. I'll tell you a Range Rover story. You know me and you know that I actively avoid Range Rovers when I can. <laughs> yeah. But I did a very nice deal. We bought a Mini Cooper S. And we advertised it with a set of images from another Mini Cooper S, but completely identical, completely the same car, thunder grey metallic, black alloys, tinted windows, black roof, black mirror compass. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, exactly the, the same set of pictures. And I found a buyer for the car on the day after the car got delivered from BMW Financial Services in Corby, where it came from. And that guy wanted to trade in a Range Rover Sport she wanted 10000 for it. Cup clean was twelve and a half. Retail was 15000 
he had 77,000 mile, miles on the clock and something was something seemed up something was fishy about this yeah. but I couldn't fault the car when I test drove it my diagnostic machine couldn't find the problem I did the deal because the retail mini had literally just arrived I needed to repaint the front bumper he wanted 100 quid off so I didn't have to even do that work did the deal and then I put the Range Rover on Instagram and I've got this regular customer I've told you about. Um, he's from Liverpool. Every three, four months, he comes back to buy a car from me. And he's the, the most amazing customer you can dream of. Very, very nice guy. Yeah. And if, if he's listening, Matthew, thank you. Thanks a million. And I promise you in the next couple of months, we'll get you another car. So he saw that picture of the Range Rover and sent me a quick WhatsApp message. And the WhatsApp message was, Nick, how much? With a sort of a screenshot of my Instagram page. And I said to him, it's 15,000 pounds, to you it's 14 and a half. And he said, how much per month? And I gave him the monthly figure on finance. Two WhatsApp messages later, that car was sold to him. Oh, brilliant. And <laughs> I delivered him the car. And on the delivery journey, I, he works in Manchester. He lives in Liverpool, works in Manchester. I was delivering it to Manchester. And I got an engine management light popped up. And I didn't know what it was. And I didn't have a diagnostic on me. So I gave him the car as it was. And found the Land Rover specialist in Liverpool to diagnose it for him. They replaced some sensor, 200 quid. We paid it. He was very happy. And then a month later, he called me, and he had a bigger problem with the car. It turns out that the car had some... Uh, it had a cracked pipe behind the manifold, and hot air was escaping from the back of the engine, the very yeah. back of the engine, and it was melting the, the exhaust temperature sensor for the DPF. And this was the management light that we got yeah so it had melted the new sensor as well and unfortunately for anyone that knows Land Rovers to replace that pipe it's the body out of the yeah. chassis job you split it up yeah. and it's maybe 12 hours of labor if you're lucky and it wasn't a small job at all and I think he got a little bit worried by the fact that it was an older car and a bit troublesome yeah so my favorite customer he said can you get me a fully electric BMW i3 so we got him a fully electric BMW i3 Instead of the Range Rover Sport Diesel, like believe it or not, these are the sort of deals we do with him. He's got, um, he wants to try all sorts of cars. The Range Rover got back, we fixed it, sold it retail to a customer. And um, that customer also financed it. So we got two sets of finance commission on the deal, oh, two brilliant. sets of profit. And yesterday, I kid you not, yesterday morning, a lady called me from Warranty Wise. Um, we, as you know, we do our own warranty, but for longer cover, we use Warranty Wise. Yeah. And when I sold it to the customer, to the second customer that repaired Range Rover, he wanted a two-year warranty with Warranty Wise, which he paid for. Warranty Wise rang me yesterday and said, we've been notified by the customer that the car was written off. So um, the warranty stopped. And today they issued me with a refund with 560 pounds for the unused portion of the warranty, which I never knew that warranty companies do that. Certainly warranty-wise have never done that before. Maybe it's something new, but if somebody is listening, yeah. if you've got a warranty with warranty-wise, if it's written off, they give you a refund. I didn't That's ask brilliant. for it. They just issued it automatically. So Nick, I, 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 I bet you were relieved that Range Rover got written off. When they said written off, I thought, does it have a mechanical fault? Something that writes off the car? <laughs> yeah. They said, no, no, no. The customer said they've been in an accident and the car's been written off. So um, I was relieved that he wanted a two-year yeah. warranty that he paid for himself. I was relieved at that point. Yeah. We'd spent two and a half thousand pounds fixing the car after the first time we sold it. 
Yeah. And even after two and a half grand spent, I still have profit in the transaction, David. So yeah, it, yeah. yes, it was a bad buy. It was a risky buy. It was a problem that customer must have known about a hundred percent. I'm sure. So, so, so um, um, you, you know, you know, like them, them, them sort of deals. Then, even though there's a big margin in it, but you know there can be a load of bollocks that's going to come with it. Would you still rather? Like not not take that car on sometimes, even if you think, yeah, there's really good margin in this, but it's going to give me an headache down the line. Um, I expect headache everywhere, David. To be honest, I I get headaches where I least expect them. When I sell a car, yeah, that's right. It, I know that I've done my job. We've prepared it perfectly. We've sold it to a really reasonable customer, and then the next day they ring me up and they will say something like. Um, one of the remote keys is working on the buttons, but the car is not identifying it. When my wife is sitting in the rear seat and it's in her purse, so what are you going to do about this? So I get headaches all the time. Yeah. So now I'm just, uh, right now I'll tell you what I'm concentrating on. I'm concentrating on the opportunity to add value to a car. So I love a story car, but it depends on the story. Sometimes if a car's changed four owners in the space of two years, it's not necessarily a bad car, but some people will stay away from it not me, I will research the hell out of it. And if yeah. I'm happy with it on paper, I'll stock it, I'll sell it, we'll make money off of it, no problem. Yeah. I, I don't run away from it. Like this Maserati, this is a story car, but I mean, hell, bought for four, sold for 16. If I sell it for 16, that'll be one story to tell the grandkids for sure. <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, and it's bigger the risk, bigger the reward and all that, isn't it? And absolutely, but also now when we're moving towards online buying, my sources at BCA are 100% guaranteeing me, and I know a couple of branch managers that are quite high up, I've known them a long time, they're telling me that they're not opening up for physical sales, which basically means online buying forever from now on. Oh, and for some people, that will scare the, the hell out of them. What, see, seriously, me, they're not I they're not going to open up BCA for physical sales that's then? They, that's what they're saying. Yeah, they're, cons- they're, they're deciding to not open up. They've basically found out that they were spending so much money on drivers to just move the cars to facilitate the physical yeah. sale. Yeah. They don't yeah. need that, basically. They don't need to have 70 drivers on site every day. They can do with the office staff, with the, the back office, the people that hold yeah. up the cars, and just a few yard drivers. They still have people in the yard, yeah. but they don't have the army of... Um, drivers which are agency workers so um yeah no physical sales at bca as far as i'm aware only 100 percent. they could change at any moment but for now it seems like the online buying is here to stay what mm. this will do it'll push some people towards sites with physical sales like for example i think after barclay are reopening physically when you have too many people at a physical sale, what would the prices do? They would just jump up. Yeah, sky, yeah, and yeah. people would then naturally go back to BCA online where the prices would be a bit more sensible if some people are leaking off towards other vendors, yeah. other auction auction companies. Yeah, yeah. What about... So well, it would be a, an adjustment period. And for anyone that hates a story car, anyone that hates prep, anyone that hates adding value, it will be a nightmare time to be in the motor trade because they need to basically buy blind and hope hope in hell that the car arrives in decent condition yeah. and if they don't like uh, prepping or adding value they need to trade out of these cars immediately potentially yeah. at a loss yeah yeah because this is what John was saying on a previous podcast the, the Mannheim auctioneer um, yeah. he's yeah. saying that you know that the people that are dealing in the, the, the really cheap stuff he said that that hasn't been 
making strong money, you know. So maybe, do you think BC had maybe open physical auctions for the, for the cheaper sort of stuff? Or do you think it'll be just everything? I can't, I have no idea, to be honest. I, I don't know, but even their cheap stuff sells online. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it does, yeah. yeah. The, the way to find out is to put the registration number of a very cheap car into webuyanycar.com and to see whether it gives you a very, very low value, which means they don't really want it, or yeah. it gives you a very high value, which means they want it, and if they want it, then uh, they're definitely looking to stock it and auction it off themselves, basically. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, you've, you've just reminded me. One, one thing since last year, one of the best things I've done is start a, a car, car buying website. I've had some absolute crackers from there. So any other traders listening to this, I'd, I'd recommend them. Get, get your own car buying site going and, and just use Google Ads because uh, that that's got some brilliant deals. You know, but buying privately, it's always the best way, isn't it, Nick? Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about it. I mean, you know that I've started back in the day with auction buying. The fees back in the day were 40, 50 pounds per car. The margins were the same. So the fees were, they were downright negligible. We didn't even think about the auction fees. But I've always said, what's important is the bottom line, the, what you actually pay for the car, including fees, including delivery, if you can get delivery. That's what's important. So... Basically, if you were to try and buy privately a very high-spec car of a certain type with certain options for which you have a customer, that would be a hell of a long shot. It, it could take months to find or weeks. Yeah. Whereas um, if, if I now need a specific car and if I, I'm actually sitting on, on my desk now in the garden, but if I walk into my office, which is 50 yards away, and if I sit on the computer, I guarantee you within half an hour I'll find something in the big auction companies, which is available for me to buy right now. <laughs> yeah. So if I can do that that easily, then auction buying is actually not to be sniffed at still, just because they've got so much stock available, yeah. 14, 15, 16,000 cars, yeah. of which maybe a 1,000 available to buy online. And if you are not, um, obviously it depends on what you want. It depends on, on what you need. But as I said, I'm on a strategy now where if I sell a car now, I'll go and I'll try to buy something very similar to replace it. And I've been very successful doing it lately. So um, for me, it, it, auction buying has been the way forward. Yeah, yeah. And the downside, of course, is the £400 in auction fees. Yeah, that's, the upside yeah. is that sometimes you can buy £2,000 undercut clean, which is entirely possible, yeah. especially on cars which they've said they don't have service history and I can find it online in the space of two minutes. On cars like this, um, I think. So, so your your search your search online would be say then it it's national. You don't set the um the the parameters to like a hundred miles. Absolutely, you, strictly not. I will. So I'll tell you how I search. I would go in and I will select sale channel and I will select buy now, and the available cars will be typically about a thousand available by now. I will sort them by recently added. Because on buy now, a lot of cars get bought very quickly. So yeah. there is no point in looking at cars that have been there four days. No, no. I'd sort them by recently added. And then I will go into make and I will select uh, BMW, Mini, Mercedes, Audi, VW, Honda and Jaguar. And I will do and that that's in, it. in sections. You, you wouldn't choose Ford or anything else? Just them makes? Um, if I've got a customer that wants a Ford, I will then go and specifically look for a Ford. But if I just look for stock which I'm about to advertise to retail without having a specific customer in mind, 
that's the sort of make spread that I'll get. Yeah. Um, I would also do a search sometimes by vendor, and my favorite vendor to buy from, and I've said it before, is Black Horse Finance. <laughs> yeah. And that's purely because they would, they will genuinely accept any bid, yeah. anything goes, and sometimes they, they will literally undervalue their cars, be to a point where you think, why the hell is this so cheap? I've bought cars that should have been sixteen thousand. I've bought them for thirteen thousand. I've done that maybe 20 times in the space of last year. I understand privately you can do that also, maybe, yeah. but um, with Black Horse, I can do it in, in, in minutes, literally in minutes, without yeah. having to um, do anything else other than a, a search. Yeah, so and, so the ones that you stay, stay clear of is ones that say like Arnold Clark, um, the, the big dealerships, you, you like the, I, the lease companies better. I would necessarily better. still clear yeah, but I, I like a lease company, I like a finance company, but I like a prime finance company like Black Horse, for example. Um, I, I wouldn't buy from Money Barn because the customers are yeah. so deep subprime, yeah. they wouldn't have had a penny to look after the car. So unless, unless it's changed ownership recently, which you can check, unless it's changed owners very recently, like somebody bought it from a dealer, missed the first payment, and they repossessed it and put it in an auction, I wouldn't be interested in buying from the likes of Money Barn. Yeah, but a normal finance company, um, Black Horse, Alphabet, the big leasing firms, I definitely Alfira, we definitely look to buy from them, no problem. Yeah. So we yeah. do a search by vendor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What's that other one? It's on the tip of me tongue. Oh bloody hell! But oh, what about um, if you see uh, Iraq? Then will you buy from Iraq? I do a transit van. Don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> should be extremely desirable. I've, I've listed it very cheaply. It's only got 29,000 miles on it, 18-plate transit. It's like new. It's fully compliant with all the ultra-low emission zones, and it's averaging me three views a day, and it's just a scandal. I bought it for a customer. I made a mistake, basically. Somebody wanted the van, and they were a very committed buyer, yeah. and I didn't do a finance application in advance. They promised me they have another car on finance. They promised me the other finance is coming to an end. They had superb credit record on paper. But I'm assuming at some point there was something in their credit file because they were instant declined by every lender we tried. And oh, ultimately, yeah. I had bought it for him, and I'm stuck with it now. So anyone listening, if you're after an 18-plate transit, I'm your guy. Give me a call, <laughs> make me an offer, or listen to anything. Thing is, though, Nick, you will sell that van. It's just with vans. It's not like with cars, you know, with the views. Um, it's so strange with vans. You, you, you can have like three, four, five views, but you'll sell it. You will sell it. Not a problem. I, I'm sure I will eventually, but when you see the red line, yeah. trader, and when you compare it to my Maserati with the 200 views yeah. a day and just... I know. views for the van and it's such a good van that it smells like a new car inside yeah bluetooth everything in it, it, it but that came from um yeah enterprise i think it was. yeah right did, did you think had you paid a little bit too much for that because you thought no, you had no, a customer no no, no 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 i bought it i bought it well on the book i'm i'm happy with what i bought it for and i would make a very very good deal if that customer had been approved for the finance it would have been a two-day turnaround yeah the profit would have been over i think yeah. two thousand seven hundred pounds maybe when prep is excluded so it would have been a very good deal considering but i i honestly thought vans were hot property and it turns out that they're not as hot as i thought they were maybe yeah. because this one is so new 
the customers can actually go and buy brand new if they've got that sort of money to spend on a van. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if it was a cheaper van, say three, four thousand pounds, maybe it would have gone day one, day two. And, and when, when, when did you buy it, Nick? On the 20th of February, on the 21st of February. But we didn't advertise it for another, I think, three weeks it took for me to go through all the finance company yeah. brokers I've been using to get a firm no from everyone because some of them were maybe leave it with me, let me see what I can do. Yeah. And this process took three weeks. So we had it in stock for about a month, which isn't the end of the world. Yeah. And um, I'm thinking of <laughs> putting a, a set of black wheel trims on it because it has steel, steel wheels, it doesn't have alloys. Yeah. Steel wheels, I'll put a set of black trims on it. My yeah. guy will put some bonnet stripes on it, black stripes with orange um, yeah. edging. And I think that then it'll fly off. But because I've always got cars coming that need other stuff and I work on my own, yeah. the van is always the one that gets pushed right to the back of the prep queue. Yeah. So um, I, I, I'll keep you updated. I'll yeah, definitely. I th- you will sell it a bit. It's a bunch of some uh, side skirts on it as well. That's what everyone loves, them side skirts. I'm not, I, yeah, I'm not going to go to that length on this, not for now anyway, <laughs> but um, I'll, I'll do the black wheel trims at £20 a set and I'll do the, um, I'll do the bonnet stripes at another £20 and see what happens. Right. Is it, another thing I want to ask you, Nick, right, and I've only just noticed this this past, I don't know, six months, what is it with red cars? Has, uh, do, do people not like red cars anymore? Or... So I do very well with them, and every single red car I've sold went to a Romanian customer with no exception. In some places, some cultures, some countries, they love them. If you talk to, I don't know whether you're in contact with any Indian car dealers, like from India, that they've got a close Indian community around them, they will kill for a gold-colored car. Yeah. And you will yeah. never see me <laughs> yeah. buy a gold car. I'd never... If you came to me and you offered it to me uh, a half book, I'm not going to buy a gold car. Honestly, I promise you. Yeah. But in some cultures, gold cars, they buy them immediately, instantly. They kill for them. Red cars are very they're very dependent on spec, very dependent on make and model. Run-of-the-mill red cars are just not so good. I had a Peugeot 108. Um, I barely sold it. and I made a little bit of a profit. And it sold to a lady that said she was after a red one, but she was the only one on the market at that point, I'm sure. I like a dark color, neutral color, conservative color. I like white, um, black. Give me gray any day of the week, yeah. but with red. And I, when I watch um, live online auctions for BMW Financial Services, they've got some um, couple of colors, Melbourne red, one of them. Those cars always go under book. They never make cup clean in Melbourne red. So it must be universally undesirable in the dealership network because nobody want them, wants them for stock. Yeah. And I, do you know, I've always liked the red car, like a red golf. Red golfs look beautiful, but anything that I like, I, I shouldn't buy. I should just buy cars that I don't like. You know, because you've just said there about gold. I bought this beautiful gold automatic <laughs> golf. <laughs> I was like, it's it's not gold. It's it's champagne silver. It's absolutely beautiful. And, uh, it's absolutely beautiful, that some people wouldn't be seen dead driving one. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we're in a country which is quite conservative about colours. I mean, 50 shades of grey, 50 shades of metallic silver, that seems to be the norm. Yeah. Black, yeah. some darker blues, that seems to be the norm. And uh, if, if you're going to do volumes, if you're going to sell 30 cars in a month, you need to be thinking about how many people are interested in any given car that you have in stock. Obviously, yeah. some splash of color on, on the pitch is always a good idea, David, but 
Um, yeah. I don't know whether gold is the best color to go for. When, no, you're, it's not. Uh, when you sell it, you'll know. When you look at the days in stock, when you look at the margin, when yeah. you look at the views, you'll know whether it was the right decision. Yeah. But remember, there is always one person on the marketplace and that person could come tomorrow and buy it off of you. But it doesn't mean that it was a good buy or if it was a desirable car. Yeah. Some of our deals are complete and utter random fluke that we got very lucky that yeah. one person wanted it, came and bought it. And we thought it's so desirable, I'm going to go and buy five more. <laughs> Yeah, look at them for another six months. Definitely, and and now over the last year as well, have you seen anything change with with like auto trade? And then um, have you got any little hacks with auto trade? Have you seen anything? Do you know what I think? I think Auto Trader as a company was probably the biggest winner in this specific pandemic. How? Um, because I was not quite active, but I was watching the Facebook car dealer group about a year and a half ago, and. At that point, everyone was complaining, all the trader this, all the trader that, I'll leave them, people gave their notice, then the price markers went live, then a lot of people gave their notice immediately, and then the first lockdown happened. And when it happened, all the trader announced the free month, or two months for free, yeah. and then everyone jumped back onto them immediately. And in this pandemic, if you can imagine what it means, people are just sitting home, bored, looking yeah. to buy something, anything, and guess where they go? Their viewing figures are through the roof. Yeah. Um, they've become a household name again. They were losing traction at some point, I think. Facebook, people were talking, Facebook is going to overtake them. Where is Facebook now? It's in the toilet as far as cars sales are concerned. Yeah. If nobody sells anything off of Facebook anymore, nothing of value anyway. So all the trader, I think they become so effective in this pandemic that I think anyone that isn't on there, just go and get a package tomorrow, you'll definitely get your money back and you should definitely make some on top of that for sure, 100%. Yeah, definitely. That's one thing that I've changed my outlook on since this time last year is that just, well, we've got 40 adverts on Autotrader at the minute and it's, it's just nice having that constant flow of cars in your, in your sort of like, you know, getting deposits and things moving. Um, but when I was at like 12, 15, 20, it just, I mean, I don't know if it's just the, the time that we're in, but Auto Trader this last year has helped me um, grow my business without a doubt. And 100%, yeah, 100%. And especially when you focus your business on the nationwide rather than the local. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, again, instead of thinking way, like being narrow-minded, now I'm starting to think right. We're in the centre of England. I'm thinking, yeah, na national now. I'm just thinking, aim all the cars at everybody, not just your local market. Absolutely, aim at the prestige, aim at the slightly complicated ones, black alloys, tinted windows, bullet stripes, whatever it takes, David. Whatever it takes to get people to travel to you. And obviously, um, milk the finance for whatever it's worth because it, it, it genuinely pays, but not only it pays, it enables, it just opens up the market to you get customers that you never um, thought you'd get before because they were too young and they couldn't afford it or for whatever reason. Yeah. People are changing their views on this. Um, interest yeah. rates are historically low. So, and we're not going to be in this business forever. We'll be in the business for what, 10, 15 more years, maybe 20 at the push. So we have to, now is, now is our time. Yeah. So we have to make, make, make the most of it. Embrace the online, embrace all this shift to the online. You've got a photographer now, a videographer. He does an amazing job. I see some of the pictures. Yeah. So that's that's the way forward, I think. Yeah, that's really helped me that as well. I, think, 
I think so. I mean, knowing how much time I spend out of my week doing it, if I didn't have to do it, I, I, I can't imagine what I would do. I mean, I know exactly what I would do. I would buy and sell more, for sure. Yeah, but um, yeah, but, but well, that, like that, that that helped us buy more. Having Dave doing the photos, Wayne doing the valeting, it's sort of yeah. like a, it's 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 becoming a little bit like a. It's not a well-oiled machine at the minute, but hopefully it, it's going to get there, you know. Um, but it, it's just nice to keep this momentum going, and and hopefully, this time next year we'll be talking again, and we'll have hopefully done even better so hopefully <laughs> i think 2021 will be a good year and, and then we'll see what the future holds um, you know me i'm always optimistic i always try and see that the bright light yeah yeah definitely and, and you know there will be hard times ahead but that, that's life isn't it there's ups there's downs and, and that's life so but um there's one other thing i wanted to ask you because this is yes this is a. Uh, I just wonder how other people, other traders, do their handovers. So when I do mine, I'll do the invoice. And then before, I used to keep the V5 for a couple of weeks and then send it off. But because I'm because it's been so busy, I, I just do the V5 straight away online and put it in the customer's name. Because if I don't, they'll all pile up and then I'll never end up doing them. And then with the invoices... I'll put that into my Dropbox. I'll I'll make records of it, and I just get it done straight away. I just wondered what what's your process when you sell a car. So so because of the way we work, we very rarely sell a car to a walk-in. I always have the customer's details in advance. Yeah. So the process now, and I will tell you, I've got two deals tomorrow booked in. The first one is for nine in the morning. The second one is for ten thirty. Both are part exchange deals with finance. So each one of them will take me an hour at least, hour and a half, maybe maybe two hours, who knows. So I've got both invoices printed already. I've got the customer's details from the finance applications, names, addresses, everything. I've got the invoice printed with the amounts, with the deposit, everything is on my desk. I've got the PDIs, the PDI forms completed for both cars. I've got um, the part exchange experience check reports on my desk as well. Yeah. We've vaguely discussed We've discussed pricing, but I always tell a customer I can offer you between three and four thousand for your car, and I'm I'm sorry I can't give you a more exact figure, but I need to see it first condition-wise because it's an older car, it's a high mileage car, and and people are open to that. So in my finance um, documentation, the part exchange is basically booked at the lower possible figure, and if it turns out that their car is much nicer, I will just collect a lower cash deposit from them because they've got cash deposits as well. Right. So I've got all this paperwork pre-printed on my desk, and when the customer turns up, um, we'll do the invoice. We won't. The logbook will stay. I've got a folder with logbooks, and I do them once a month. And some of them, this means some of them wait a month to be processed, and some others wait several days. But I would always wait several days, always, 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 just in case, yeah. because they always get that call. Excuse me, can we put it in my wife's name? We thought about it. We reconsidered. My wife's a doctor. Can you say doctor this, doctor that? Um, and it, you know the 30-day right to reject and everything else. So yeah. that's the reason why we delay some logbooks deliberately. With some customers, immediately you've got a feeling about him or they call you the next day and they start listing seven or eight minor niggles. 
Um, like, for example, the front number plate is different than the rear number plate. So was the car in an accident before? I'll get my guy to give it the once-over. You know what I mean. You, yeah. Sometimes you just you expect the worst. So in those cases, we'd always hold the logbook. We'll do the invoicing, do the PDI. We'll do the in-house warranty. The customer gets the warranty booklet. I keep a copy. So at the end of every handover, I have a minimum of three documents. Um, I have my copy of the invoice, my copy of the PDI, and my cut-off copy from the warranty policy booklet. For distance sales, I will have a copy of the distance sales policy, which gives them 14 days to... And when we say distance sales, ah, something important here. And now is the time to mention. So we've got a £99 refundable reservation fee. When you give me a call for a car, with one £99 deposit to reserve your appointment, a lot of people want to pay it to guarantee themselves availability. We don't insist on it 100%. But we ask them two or three times, are you sure you don't want to pay it? It's a good idea to pay it, fully refundable, you've got nothing to lose. As soon as they turn up on site, I refund it, even if they're buying the car. The reason is that if you've taken part payment over the phone, it becomes a distant sale, the whole transaction. But if you refund the reservation fee, then um, they've made no payment for the car before they've physically seen and driven it. And then it's just becoming a normal sort of on-site car sale. Yeah. So I yeah. would start yeah. the handover by refunding the £99 reservation fee, which is typically paid by card over the phone. So we'll refund it by the debit card machine, give them a copy of the uh, refund slip, keep a copy of the refund slip, and everything else is just like a normal handover. But I'll make a point of spending some time with them. How do you open the fuel flap, open the bonnet, pay the phone to the Bluetooth, enter their address in the navigation system. And my reasoning is more to for the customer to be immediately more comfortable with the car. Yeah. What radio are you listening to? Radio 2. No, you couldn't be listening to Radio 2. You're too young for that. And that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and so then when they go, will you then go on your computer and, and write in your spreadsheet, like your margin, what you've made on it, and, and that sort um, of stuff? No, I've got, a, I've got an electronic stock book, and I update it maybe once a week, but I don't update it after every deal. Because tomorrow, for example, when the first customer goes, I promise you the second customer will probably already be here on site. So I will not have a spare minute to, to sit yeah. on the computer. Yeah. And then after the second customer goes, I've got a car to go and pick up from East London. My day is basically, I haven't got a free minute in the day tomorrow to, to, to sit and add yeah. the figures in spreadsheets. But remember, I don't sell as many cars as you do. So my admin work is probably half of what your admin work is. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I can afford the luxury of not having to do it every day. I can do it yeah. once in a week or sometimes even when the VAT period ends, I, I'm catching myself completing my stock book, um, yeah. going back on it, sort of um, completing final figures. Sometimes I just put in make BMW. I didn't put in the full model and whether it was automatic and all that stuff. Yeah. But I've got um, another file, which is I call it stock status. It's another big Excel file with, and that's my prep, basically, with the car bought for, yeah. asking price, what the margin is, what it needs, what we've done, what it's outstanding. And it looks like a traffic light system with green and red, where green is completed and red is not completed. And it depresses me sometimes looking at it. <laughs> and you know that every little square in that spreadsheet is something that you have to do. And some jobs are five-minute jobs, but yeah. some other jobs are two hours, three hours, four hours. Even an MOT, David, takes me the best part of an hour to get it there and then yeah. drive it there drive it back the mot station is 20 minutes away so if i don't combine that trick with something else yeah even a simple mot is an hour it's legit service yeah. two hours mot yeah. and a service in body shop a day 
And when you have 25 cars, and when you're on a strategy like me of adding value, it's a lot of jobs to be done. So a lot, 100 jobs in a month yeah. is the norm, basically. Sometimes 150 jobs. And it's one person, me. Photography, video, advertising, everything. I, I found a valet, a really good one. I, I was very lucky in the pandemic, a valeting place had to close, and this valet was left with no work. Um, and he works in central London, believe it or not, in an underground car park. But now he loves getting the tube coming out here to us in Buckinghamshire. We've got a tube station near us, so it's easy for him. And it's the best £80 a day I spend. And I spend them maybe two days a week, maybe three days a week, but not, not full time, not every day. Brilliant. Brilliant. And he's, he's really good, like full wallet on everything. And when he finishes, all I need to do is I need to put in the two uh, paper mats in the front that says um, the Close Brothers paper floor. Yeah. Maybe you have them yeah, as well. Yeah, I've got them, yeah. I put, I put them because they look nicer in the pictures and because they sort of subtly suggest to the customer that, yes, we do finance. Yeah. I put them and I go and I do my photography and it's, 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 I don't need to physically do anything after him, which is, it's amazing. Yeah. So would you consider having him full time in the future? I don't need to because he doesn't, he doesn't want to work full time, but right. he's very happy to work part time. So yeah. for both of us right now, the current arrangement works perfectly. Yeah. But one day she calls and says, Nick, I'm starting a full time job doing this, doing that. I'll be like as if somebody cut my arms off. It'll be, yeah. um, be because I know that I can find another valet for the next day, but whether they'll do the same job that oh, he does, God, yeah. the same work, the same quality. Yeah. I mean, um, he goes into every nook and cranny. He's, he's really good, honestly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's worth his weight in gold, definitely. And uh, I think since Dave started doing the photos for us, he's only part time, but. I couldn't go back to doing the pictures myself now, just because he does them so good. He's, he's, you know. I understand completely what you mean, yeah, absolutely. If I could give my camera to somebody, if they can promise me my photo quality, I'd do that in a heartbeat tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, honestly. I used to really enjoy doing it, but when you do it so often, day in, day out, yeah. car after car, time after time, it's just... It, when it becomes, when it stops being a hobby, when it becomes work, it kind of it loses the sheen a little bit. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, so would you consider having someone part time doing the pictures? I, I don't know if I can afford somebody that can produce this sort of quality, and I, yeah. I would definitely consider. I mean, um, yes, I would. Yes, is the shortest answer. Yeah. I think you should do it, Nick. I think you should because I think you'll you'll free up so much time for yourself, which will help you buy more cars. I I agree, but remember, because of the way we're set up to work from home, we we can have limited number of people here, and we've again we've got limited number of parking spaces. So if I if I have it my way, I wouldn't want more cars. I want twenty cars, but maybe yeah. just higher value cars with yeah. higher margin. Yeah. Yeah. And higher commission. That's what I would want yeah. ultimately. But it, it's a it's a journey, isn't it? It's a yeah. process. We can't all yeah. go from a thousand pound car to fifty thousand pound car no. in the space of what a year. I'm just I'm uncomfortable. Um, right now, I've got stock of about three hundred and twenty thousand pounds. Yeah. The beginning of the pandemic, I looked at a copy of the spreadsheet. It was one hundred and twenty thousand. God, that's so amazing. Arguably, I've made two hundred grand in the last year. I yeah. didn't make it because it's it's. Tied up in cars, but yeah. it, it's this is what they were. So I yeah. made it, yeah. and the best thing is because they're tied up in cars, they're not cash money. Um, they're not, they're yeah. not taxable. You don't pay tax until you sell them. Exactly. So um, 
it, I've had a good year, I think. Did, did, one guy working from a small house, I've not done too bad. Oh, mate, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And do you think in 10 years' time, that's what you'd like? Not more cars, but a higher value of cars? No, I think in 10 years' time, what I see is a, a big industrial unit, like a really high-end unit somewhere, very nondescript, with polished concrete floors, yeah. and maybe 40 cars in there with a couple of very um, capable valeters, and certainly somebody much more handy with the camera than me. Um, so I see a business of about five, six people, but not turning over a million or two million pounds, but turning over 10 million pounds. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's whether that's yeah. feasible, whether that's easily achievable, and what are the downsides or pitfalls, I can't possibly know at this point, but that's what I'm aiming for, because I've just, I think I've just become good at this job after so many years doing it. I yeah. honestly think the first five years were definitely wasted, and I wish I had somebody like me in a WhatsApp group to tell me what to do, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I you're, honestly, you're inspirational, and it's like that, 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 that saying, you know, you are the average of the five people you spend time with, and, and just mm. having you in, 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 in sort of my, my friendship group of car traders, and, you know, there's loads of other traders just from this podcast. If I hadn't started doing this podcast, I don't think I would have done as well as I've done this year, just speaking from all the other traders and uh, just influencing me. You know, it's been absolutely amazing. And uh, you, every story is a different story. They're not all the same. You'd think they'd all be the same story, but every story is so dramatically different than the other. Yeah. All different walks of life, how everyone started. It was just... I listen to some of them and I'm thinking, why did I not do this when I was, because they're saying I started up and I, the first thing I did was this. And I'm thinking it was maybe six or seven years before I did what he did. Why did I not? Yeah. But of course, yeah, so I true. was in a different place, a different frame of mind. I had a net worth of maybe 15,000 or something like this. So it's, it's, dif it's a different, different ball game altogether. It, it is, but... It changes your mindset, doesn't it? Listening to these other stories, for example, absolutely, uh, yeah, absolutely. you know, Mark TVS, he's got his own garage and all that sort of stuff, and you know, he's uh, delivering cars with his uh, trailers and stuff. And I thought, you know, I'd, I'd never be able to do that. But then after listening to him and how inspirational he was, I was thinking, do you know what? I've started looking at garages, you know, for myself to get a, a, a mechanic in there and stuff like that. And it's just really... Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I've, I've always said it, repairs are better business to be in than car sales. Definitely better in terms of uh, the business aspect. I just, personally, I was never into the repair side of it. Um, yeah. I, I would never want to get my hands dirty. Give me a diagnostic machine, I'm pretty handy with it, no problem. But <laughs> yeah. um, give me a set of spanners and then watch a completely useless person. Do you <laughs> yeah. know, I'd probably, I'd probably struggle to take a wheel off of a car without scratching a seal or something. I, yeah. I can't remember the last time I had to physically myself take a wheel off of a car. Yeah. I just don't, I don't like that aspect of, um, of the mechanics. But um, in yeah, terms yeah. of the garage business as a business, as a setup money yeah. machine, absolutely 100%. Oh, God, yeah. And it'd be just so much easier because, you know, when you get warranty claims coming, I just want them done. I want them out of my life. And when you've got to go to your mechanic, and if you, have, if, if you haven't got a mechanic that you can really rely on, and you're going up to them and you're like, oh, please, can you do this? I need it. I just hate being in that situation. Well, if you've got your own little garage or, 
you know, your own technician. It's like, right, this has come back in, saw it now, and it gets done. Definitely. But remember, with warranty claims, you also need, you need nationwide contact because cars, they yeah. sell everywhere. So when something goes pop, and only yesterday I paid £366 to a garage near Portsmouth, for um, it was a Vauxhall Antara, some crankshaft, crankshaft pulley. Oh pulling. God, they always go wrong so then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 366 quid, but the garage was recommended by a personal friend of mine, not a dealer, just somebody that lives in that area. And I rang them up and the, the, the garage guy was, the boss was so sensible. They, they were really sensible. Yeah. And uh, they really looked after the customer. The customer was really happy. And for 360 quid, I thought even my own guy would probably charge me 250 easily. Yeah. And that would probably be the, the bottom, the, the cost price of the job, the part plus um, yeah. the button, plus yeah. the labor on it yeah. Yeah. at least. So, yeah. um, and this is where this WhatsApp group is so handy. We know people everywhere in the country. Oh, so God, yeah. it's easy for me to ring up um, anyone, yeah. you or Mark TVS or anyone, and yeah. say, can you do this? Or do you know a guy that can help with that? And yeah. just because of the contact yeah. that we have, it's so much easier. Um, we should have we should have done this years ago. Really. I mean, as soon as we all caught up in that first talk, but of course we didn't have WhatsApp back then, so yeah, we couldn't yeah. have done it as easily as we're doing it now. Yeah, it's great, and just seeing all the pictures and stuff, what people are doing, it's uh, it's like you can put a face to people now. I suppose with this podcast, <laughs> put a voice yeah. to people as well, can't you? You know, they're not we're not all just sat behind a keyboard now, are we? So. But, but, mate, it's been brilliant talking to yeah. you. All the best, and, uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll talk to yeah, you again really soon, soon, mate. Good luck with the sales. Yeah, nice you, good end to the month. Yeah, you too, mate. Have a good one tomorrow. Thank Have you. Good night, David. Cheers, Take mate. Care. Bye. Bye. Now. Bye.